We've been in a mini-series, which is not normal for us. Normally, we're just going straight through a book of the Bible, one of the one of the letters, one of the books of the Bible, but um, we're doing a mini-series right now uh, called What is the Church? It just felt uh, appropriate as um, so much of our world has changed and kind of been stripped away. So we wanted to, we wanted to think biblically about what, uh, what is the church? What has God said uh, the, the church is, is to be? Um, and each week we've answered a question. And this, this week's question is, why do we gather? What's the point of our gathering? Um, every gathering has a reason. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you join a book club, uh, you'll, you'll read the book and then you gather together uh, around that book to discuss that book. Um, pre-pandemic, you could, you could go to a concert, right? Everyone would gather to hear their, uh, their, their favorite band or, or musician. Um, we used to be able to go to movie theaters and people would show up for a certain movie. It's not that all these people knew each other. They gathered around seeing uh, that movie at the same time. At a wedding, we gather to celebrate uh, a couple's union. Um, we gather around sporting events. I'm sure you've, you've been to some presentation where you hear someone who is an expert in their field presenting on, on a topic within uh, their field of expertise. Uh, but why does the church gather every week? Um, and without much thought, if you've been in church even a little bit, you're, you're, you're confident that it has something to do with God, with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That must be why we gather um, and I've said this over several weeks, so I won't camp on it, but um, we, we know that our gathering isn't about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It, it is uh, about uh, the Lord. And specifically, our gathering is centered on worshiping God. So we gather as a church every Sunday to worship God. That's the point. That's why we're here. That is our, our focus. Now, we spoke... Um, a few weeks ago now, uh, on the purpose of the church. And the purpose of uh, the church, both universal and local, is to glorify God in everything that we do. And this is true for every uh, Christian individually, uh, but also the church, both local and universal. Our purpose is to glorify God in all that we do. Uh, So when we gather on a Sunday, and and some churches will actually call their gathering, they'll call it a worship service. We Sometimes we refer to it that, but we don't regularly call this our our worship service. But that is exactly what is intended, that that we would would gather so that we can worship the Lord together. Uh, We come first and foremost to worship God. And um, I I think you know by now that we talk about this somewhat often, uh, worship is not just singing. Right? That's certainly a part of uh, worship. It's a gift that God has, has, has commanded us to sing to him. But, but that is not exclusively what worship is. We, we come uh, to worship the Lord, to, to make much of him. Uh, we come to, to magnify the Lord. And I don't want you to think of, when you read magnify the Lord in scripture, I don't want you to think of a magnifying glass, like where you're trying to get this thing that looks tiny to look bigger. No, what, what we're doing is, is we're looking at God in his, in his vastness, in his awesome splendor, and we're zooming in to see exactly how awesome and magnificent and glorious he is. We, we gather to praise his name. We gather to treasure the Lord or, or to savor who our God is. We gather to be reminded of how great and awesome our God is. We don't come, like I said, for just what we want. 
We, we come to worship the Lord as his people. And God um, is so glorified uh, when the church gathers together in unison to worship the Lord. Um, our individual worship is good. It is right. It is, it is to, to be pervasive in all of life. Um, but, but there's something that, that is better about God's people coming together to worship the Lord. Our oneness, like we talked about last week, is on display when we come together to worship the Lord. And, and, and we see this in life, how, how um, individual parts might be good, but, but together they're even better, right? We see this on, uh, on a sports team. Right. You, you can have um, an amazing athlete on a sports team, but in most sports, it, it takes more than one person to, to win. So it's when the team comes together, working together in unison towards the goal that, that we appreciate how, how great that team is. Or um, I, was, uh, I was a band nerd in high school and, uh, and in middle school, I played the trombone. I was part of uh, our marching band, but not just like street marching, right? We did the field shows, right? On the football field, um, we, we would do these competitions, and we were actually pretty good. We we won first place in several competitions. Um, now, me on the football field with my trombone uh, by myself would be pretty lame, right? But but when we you got the whole band out there, and, and we're performing these these uh, these these uh, I can't even think of it these patterns these moves that we'd been working on for months and months and months. It was actually pretty cool to see. You may not be convinced, but trust me, it was. Um, uh, this is better. Uh, a musician, all right, there can be a soloist that, that what they do, whether it's vocals or, or a certain instrument that they play, and, and it can be gorgeous. But when you add in other instruments, other parts, other voices, it is truly magnificent. It's, it's way better than the soloist. So yes, our individual worship during the week when we're off, you know, not with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's good and it's right, but there's something about God's people coming together, right? Deciding, like we all did decide we're gonna come together today. There's other things you could have done. I'm sure there's probably a football game on right now or your bed might've been really warm and cozy this morning. Or, or maybe, you know, we don't have rain right now. Maybe you, you, maybe you were tempted to go on a hike or do something else, but, but you made a decision that we were gonna gather together as God's people and, and that makes uh, this, this offering to God our corporate worship special. It's a big deal that, that we decide that we're going to come each and every week together as God's people. It's a big deal when, when we decide not to come, right? I'm not, I'm not saying there's, there's never a reason to not come to church on a Sunday. Certainly, there, there are times um, to, to miss. There are reasons to not be gathered with your church. Uh, but not feeling like it isn't one of the reasons, now, if church was about you, if church was about me, not feeling like it would be a great reason to not come. But, but if church is about worshiping the Lord, then, then it's not really a, a reason at all. Um, there's many different uh, definitions of worship that I can give you. But here, here's one I found recently by uh, John Piper, a pastor that, that I really I liked his definition. It says, this is worship, to act in a way that shows the heart's valuing of the glory of God and the name of the Lord Jesus. I'll read that again. To act in a way that shows the heart's valuing of the glory of God and the name of the Lord Jesus. So today in our sermon, I'm, I'm, we're talking about 
our gathering that, that we worship God. I'm not going to get into like, first we worship God by doing this and that. I'm not going to break down like every element of our service. I, I, I'm generally going to talk about our, our worship of the Lord and why we worship the Lord, what that's like. Um, but I do want to zone in, uh, zoom in on, on two specifics. I want to talk about the sacraments, the ordinances, um, the, the Lord's Supper uh, and, and baptism. So, um, oh, and actually before we even get into that, um, on our back table, back in the in the fellowship hall there um, there's a, a document that I would love for you to grab because I, I think it might be helpful in uh, in coming each week to, to have read this document it's called values in corporate worship um, our, our former um, uh, music ministry lead Sherry Richter she's in last service she was the one that, that came up with this document wrote I think most of it but uh, got some help in, in some areas um, but it's it's really good and I really think it would help you uh, it would help focus your heart and your mind and knowing okay this is is what we're doing when we come together as God's people. And, and I don't want to go through all of it, but, but there's a couple things I want to highlight. And some of these things you've already heard, I hope, in the last few weeks. One is that we have a really, uh, we want to have a really high view of scripture. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying we've necessarily arrived, but, but we try to have a high view of scripture. So I hope that you'll notice that, that God's word influences our time. Uh, when we're gathered together, like hopefully throughout uh, what we do, you'll notice God's word, um, whether it's direct quotes, whether it's someone standing up and reading or someone talking about scripture or, or even just allusions that are made. Um, I hope that you see that. Um, the document also talks about, and I talked about this just a week or two ago, that, that we're, we want to be gospel centered. Right? The gospel is the, the most important thing uh, to us as believers. It, it, is, it is what has gathered us as a church. Um, so I hope that in everything that we do, we're hearing the gospel, that we're reminding each other of the good news that Jesus has saved us from sin. The document also talks about our heart posture towards the Lord, that, that we aim to be reverent, that we, we aim to be a people that, that are thankful, um, even in the midst of times like this, in this crazy pandemic world, that, that we're a people that are so thankful to our Lord and Savior, that, that we, we come to God with sincere hearts full of adoration towards him. And I hope that we're a joyful people. Um, I hope that, that, that throughout our times together that, that we, uh, we you, you see, you feel, you hear the joy of the Lord because God has saved us. So there's more in that document. I won't get into everything, but um, I would encourage you to grab one of those and take that this week and, and read that. So back to why we gather. We gather to worship. Psalm 147.1 says this. It says, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The, the psalmist writes, it's fitting to sing a song of praise. Now, like I said, worship isn't just about singing. It's not limited to singing, but, but it is. The psalmist is right. It is fitting that we sing praises to God. It is also fitting that we exalt God in prayer. It's fitting that we marvel as we listen to his word taught. It's fitting that, that we worship by edifying brothers and sisters in Christ, right? That, that we, we take seriously uh, our, our relationship with brothers and sisters in our church. We want to build them up in Jesus. It's fitting that we would do that because it's fitting that God is worshiped. Worship is the right response to God and who he is. It's the response that makes sense. 
if you were at a concert and the performance was just incredible, and I hope you've been to a concert that, that's, that is that way, but you, you hear the band, you get to the end of the show, and what do you do? Well, what would be fitting is you clap. Or if it's really incredible, they get a standing ovation. Um, uh, we live in a beautiful part of the country, and, and we've got all these, these, uh, these little highways that, that go through the Northwest. And, and I'm sure you've seen this dozens and dozens of times. At certain places, there'll be a little place for you to pull over, and, and there'll be a sign that says something like scenic viewpoint. And it's fitting to park your car there and, and get out. And just take in the beauty of what God has made. If you're at a sporting event and your team does something awesome, right? Your team hits a last second shot or whatever the sport is. It's fitting that you jump up out of your seat and raise your hands in the air and scream like a crazy person and high five people that you've never met before. That makes sense. It's fitting in that situation. How much more fitting is it? that we worship God, our creator, that we worship the one who sent his son to save us. In the life of the believer, every part of us is to be focused on worship, our hearts, our minds, our actions. It's not just a Sunday gathering thing, but it certainly is what we do on Sundays together. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. First Corinthians 10.31 is similar. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So these verses um, are not a, a direct description of how uh, we're to gather, what we're to do in our gathering. This describes the life of a disciple of the Lord. Um, but it certainly applies to our gathering as disciples. Here, here's another uh, definition of, of worship. Worship means consciously knowing and treasuring and showing the supreme worth and beauty of God, is what one pastor wrote. Consciously knowing and treasuring and showing the supreme worth and beauty of God. That's that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be about as we gather together on Sundays. Side note, I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this for years. I grew up in church and I didn't really know why we met on Sundays. And then at some point, someone said to me, well, you know, the Sabbath was on Saturday. That's the day we should meet. So how did it come though that, that Christian churches decided to gather on Sundays? Well, Sunday is the day that Jesus resurrected. Um, this, this is how the early church picked when to gather, and it makes total sense. Yes, what better day would there be uh, to be uh, to gather than the day when when Jesus rose from the dead? So that's why we meet on Sundays. My church probably said that, and I was just spacing out when they said that as a kid growing up. But I I didn't I don't know when I knew that. It may not have been till Bible college. Anyway, um, God cares. He cares about our worship, right? God wants our hearts to be his. He does not want us to go through the motions, right? He's not interested in the appearance of worship. He, he wants our hearts to magnify him. Matthew 15, 8, Jesus uh, says this. He says, uh, this people, and he's quoting, he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines and commandments of men. We don't want our worship to be that way. 
We, we don't want our worship. We want our worship uh, to, to truly be this offering to the Lord, not paying him lip service, right? not going through the motions. We want to treasure Christ in all that we do here. So uh, when you first get here, we, we want to treasure Christ in the way that we greet one another. Uh, we we want to treasure Christ and savor him the way that we, we pray, the ways that we sing together, when we read scripture, when we hear scripture, in our time before service, after service, in all of it, we want it to be worship of the Lord. Whatever it is that we do, we want it to be with sincere hearts that treasure the Lord. And I don't know, I don't know if you've thought much about how you prepare yourself to come to, to a Sunday church gathering. Um, but I, if you haven't thought about that, I would encourage you to, right? If, if you think it's just, it's good enough that you got dressed and brushed your teeth, I would encourage you to do more than that. I would encourage you as part of your worship to prepare for our gathering on a Sunday. Um, when we get back into going through a book, just verse by verse, you'll know where we're going. I'd encourage you to read the passage that we'll be, uh, we'll be studying that Sunday a couple times. I'd encourage you to pray. Pray uh, before, uh, before, before you even leave for church or maybe the night before church. Um, younger people especially, I would encourage you to get a full night's sleep. My, uh, the guy who was discipling me in college challenged me on this as I kept showing up to church um, pretty tired. I mean, I was involved, I was engaged, but I wasn't, I wasn't at full speed because I was staying up so late doing whatever with my buddies. And he said, you need to be ready. You need to be prepared. And, and part of that is, is getting a full night's sleep. Maybe older people struggle with that too, but um, maybe I'm just thinking of myself in my 20s. Um, anyway, Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I know I read verse 17 earlier, but I'll read it again. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, this passage isn't specifically about our gathering, our service. Uh, it's a description uh, of, uh, of our worship being at the center uh, of everything that we do as Christians. It's pervasive, right? There isn't an area that should be left untouched in your life um, by the worship of God. And it's it, it certainly, this passage certainly is talking about the body of Christ and how we are to, to live with one another, how we're to interact with one another centered on God's word. And, and I think we talk about that a lot, how, how important God's word is to us. Right? God, God gave us his revelation. We have, we have the scriptures. The stand can't hold my Bible, so I got it over there. But we have God's word. He's, he's revealed himself to us. Right? We get to know God through his word. We also get to know ourselves and, and how desperately we need God because without Christ, we're dead in our sin. God's word helps us to know how to rightly approach him, how to worship him. Jesus himself was called the word, the word made flesh. So, so we, we focus a lot on God's word. And, and, and though the, the passage wasn't specifically focused on the gathering, it certainly applies to our gathering. We do want our gathering 
in our gathering to have God's word dwell richly in us in everything that we do. So one church puts it this way. They say something like, we want to pray the word, sing the word, preach the word, uh, speak the word, and hear the word, right? In, in everything we do, we want God's word to influence it. So the, the, two, the two things I do want to zoom in on, I want to talk about the ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. So what is baptism? Baptism is, uh, it's the, you probably, you've probably been around to see someone get baptized, but it's the public act of a believer identifying with Christ and his people um, by immersion in, in water. And when I say immersion, I am, I'm saying not sprinkling, but, but actually being, being dunked in the water. Uh, the word for baptism means to plunge or dip. Um, I love that baptism is like this, this little mini drama of the gospel being acted out before us. Romans 6, 3 through 5 says this. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Right? So we see the symbolism in baptism. When you watch someone get baptized, as they're lowered, they're dying with Christ. And as they come up out of the water, it's this resurrection in Christ to new life. So we are all about fully dunking someone in the water. We believe that's biblical. So who should be baptized? Well, every believer in Christ, everyone who has repented of their sin and placed their faith in Jesus should be baptized. Well, why should you? Here's three uh, reasons. These, these reasons, I did not make them up. Um, someone discovered them long before me. Um, three reasons. One, Jesus commanded us to. The second is, is that you're, you're publicly identifying yourself with Christ. You're separating yourself from the world and saying, I am Christ and he is mine. The third is that not only do you commit to Christ, but you're committing to Christ's people. So let's go through those. So one, Christ commanded it. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, perhaps a, a familiar passage to you. It says, go therefore, this is Jesus talking to his disciples before he ascends. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus tells his disciples, go, make disciples. And this is, this is how you make disciples. You baptize them and you teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. Right, a person trusts in Jesus, their Savior, and, and then they're baptized and they learn to grow and follow Christ. So after repenting from sin and believing in Jesus, the, the first command is to obey. Or I heard one pastor say it this way. He said, uh, after, after you turn to Christ as your Savior, the first thing on your to-do list 
is getting baptized. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches all these people uh, hear the gospel, and we'll hear in a second, they're, they're cut to the heart, and they say, well, what do we do? Here, here's, here's what happens. Verse 37, he says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and Peter, um, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And this is how Peter responds. He says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, baptism is, is, is the, the, the response when the believer comes to know Christ. This is what we do. One pastor put it this way. He said it's like signing on the dotted line. Baptism is not what, what saves you, um, but, but it's what we're commanded to do once we have decided to follow Jesus. One pastor said uh, the Christian life is more than following commands, but it certainly is not less. So if you're a Christian... But for whatever reason, and, and I can think of a handful of reasons, but maybe you have a different one. If you're a Christian and you've never been baptized, I want to tell you today, you should get baptized. You should do it. If, it, if there's a fear thing of being in front of people or whatever, I'm not going to go through the possible reasons, but you should get baptized. It's, it's being obedient to what Christ has commanded. And, and maybe, maybe you're here and you're going, yeah, I've been a follower for, of Christ for years and years, never been baptized, I'm not going to do it. Come talk to me. Come, come talk to one of the elders or somebody on staff. We, we'd love to talk with you and, and help you. Um, help you see why, why we think it's important that, that you obey Christ in this. So the second reason why we do this, um, I, I said, is to publicly identify ourselves as a Christian. Faith in Christ is a personal thing, but it is not a private thing. Right? Faith in Christ is also a, a corporate thing too, but faith in Christ is not meant to be private. We're, we're not to come to Christ and then hide it from the world. No, we're to tell the world that we believe in Jesus. And the safest place to declare that is, is with your church, to tell your church, I've decided to follow Jesus. In, in, in baptism, what's happening is, is this, this new believer in Christ is separating themselves from the world, right? Where they, they used to be dead in their sin, part of the ways of the world, and they're saying, no, uh, I'm Jesus. I'm his disciple the third reason is not, not only do we commit to Christ, but we commit to his people as well. New believers in Acts 2, like I read, they were baptized and it says that they were added to the number of that church. Everyone who was baptized was, was received by the church. So the believer commits to Christ and, and it only makes sense that not only are they committing to Jesus, but they're committing to his family, to his people as well. And the church affirms the church affirms that, yes, this person is in Christ and they are a part of our body. Baptism is an act that binds a person both to Christ and to his people, one pastor wrote. So if, you, uh, if you've thought about getting baptized, if, if you want some help being talked into getting baptized, I would love to talk with you. And uh, I'd love to spend some time or one of our elders talking with you about baptism. Um, we've, we've got some uh, materials for you that we'd, we'd love for you to read and, and then get together and talk more. I don't know when we'll be able to baptize. I don't, I don't have that part figured out, but uh, I want to help get the ball rolling and helping you uh, 
follow Christ in, in his command here. So that's one of the ordinances. There's, I'm sure there's more we could talk about there. Um, but I also want to talk about the Lord's Supper and uh, communion. Um, like baptism uh, was commanded by Jesus, communion is also or commanded by Jesus. Um, Luke twenty two nineteen says, and he, took, uh, and he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Right? That, that's not like a little suggestion, like, hey, if you want to, this would be a good thing for you to do in your Christian life. No, he, he tells us to, to do this, that this is supposed to be something that, that Christians do. Um, one pastor wrote, in the Lord's Supper, the gospel uh, becomes not just something we hear or even something we see, but something that, that we eat. We, we, we take the gospel into us in this meal that Jesus hosts for us. So, um, the Lord's Supper is not simply symbolic. Uh, we believe that there's a unique and special grace that God gives to us, to his people, by coming and receiving the elements of communion, that, that we, we truly commune with Christ in this meal. Now, we don't, as a church, hold to the view that, that the, the bread and the cup transform uh, physically into Jesus as we take them in. No, uh, we don't hold that. But we do believe that, that his presence in this meal uh, is, is real. Um, it's in the Lord's Supper that, that we celebrate the finished work of Christ, what he has accomplished. When we come and participate in the Lord's Supper, we're proclaiming the gospel. We're proclaiming it to ourselves. We're proclaiming it to one another. The supper announces that Jesus saves, that Jesus is our hope. Communion uh, does not only look back at the death of our Savior. And for years and years and years, most of, my, most of my years in following Christ, I really thought of communion only as looking back, but it also looks forward to the coming kingdom of Christ, uh, particularly when we will feast with Christ as his people. So our celebration in communion isn't just this looking back, but it's also this, this tasting of the future with Christ. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So the bread and the cup don't only look back on, on brokenness and bitterness of the cross, but they're also this sample, right? This little sample, a little taste of what is to come, this feast for Christ and his bride. And I think of uh, Jesus uh, at the wedding in Cana and the, the, the water that he turns into wine. And, and the one guy says, most people put out the good wine first. And then when everybody's basically had too much, then they bring out the cheap stuff. But you did the opposite. You brought out the good wine last. And, and similarly, Jesus is saving the best for last as we look forward to this incredible feast with him, this celebration of Christ and his people. We call it communion because we really commune with Christ. We have fellowship with him. As we feed on the bread, as we drink the cups, our, our hearts, our, our faith feasts. It feeds on Christ in faith. And, and as we have communion with him, we also, like I said, have it together with one another. First Corinthians 1017 says, because there's one bread, we who are many are one body. 
for we all partake of the one bread. So the Lord's Supper, as, as some have said, uh, makes the, the many one, right? It makes the, the, the congregation one, whereas baptism, it, it, it binds the one getting baptized to the many. The, the Lord's Supper makes the many one. We, we commemorate Christ's death. I read part of this earlier, but I want to read both verses. Luke 22, 19, 20. He took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after he had eaten it, saying, This cup is poured out for you, uh, or this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So when we eat the bread, and when we drink the cup, we recognize that, that Jesus has brought about this new covenant and we place our lives in the saving story of Christ. So when you eat the bread and when you drink the cup, you're saying, I do this because of what Christ did for me on the cross, atoning for my sin. And this, this should be obvious, but just in case it's not, this meal is only for those who've trusted in Jesus, right? I think probably just about everything we do as a church is completely open to people who do not yet know Jesus. We long for people to trust in Christ. So we love for them to come and hear and, and interact with God's people. But this is exclusive. This, this is just for God's people, it really wouldn't make any sense for someone who has not trusted in Christ as their Savior to eat this meal because of everything that it means. It'd be, this isn't a great illustration, but it'd be like wearing a wedding ring when you're not married. That would be so strange. It wouldn't make any sense. And I understand that that we might be nervous that that someone who hasn't trusted Christ yet, that they'll feel left out or awkward. But honestly, I would rather them feel that and have to consider, boy, am I going to trust in Jesus than to feel like they're a part of this thing and everything's good when they're still dead in their sin. When we uh, receive the Lord's Supper, uh, we receive the benefits of Christ anew. When we receive the bread and the cup, it, it supports, it confirms, it strengthens our faith in Christ, what we have in Christ. It ought to. Uh, it, it ought to encourage and strengthen our soul as we're reminded of what Christ has done to make us his own people. Uh, I mentioned the new covenant. The new covenant was inaugurated by the blood of Jesus' sacrifice. And, and it's, it's uh, one, one, one uh, pastor wrote, it's repeatedly ratified in this meal that Jesus hosts. In, in the Lord's Supper, God's people, uh, God and his people, we, we both attest to this new covenant that we are in together. So God attests the covenant by the symbols of the bread and the cup. And he, he's saying, look at this, like this is what I've done for you, right? This is, the, this is the length I have gone. It tells us that if we trust in Christ, we are saved. And then as we receive the elements, we're, we're agreeing that Christ is ours and we give ourselves to him fully. So eating the bread and drinking the cup, it conveys this, this agreement. It reminds us of the covenant that we have with Christ. Baptism is, is the initial public act of committing to the new covenant. Communion is how we over and over again affirm uh, our commitment to the new covenant. 
1 Corinthians eleven thirty three says, So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And Paul talks about the responsibility of the church is not just for themselves, but, but there's a, a togetherness, a one another in it. In communion, um, we have fellowship with Christ, we have fellowship with the body, and, and therefore we have a responsibility towards one another. And, and as we take the bread, and the, or as we receive the bread and the cup, we're, we're committed to Christ and we're committed to our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're not just reaffirming our commitment to the covenant. We're also reaffirming our commitment to God's covenant people. So in a little bit, uh, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper uh, together. We've we had some people that, um, that realized like, hey, we can break up the bread and stick it in one cup and then we'll have another cup with juice in it. And then uh, Peter's going to be over there. I'm going to be over there. We're going to have gloves on and masks. And so everything's as, you know, as, as, as safe as possible. And, 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 and then you'll come up. Um, we've got to keep some distance, obviously, but as a household, you can come up and, and we're going to say to you, uh, this, is, this is Christ's body broken for you as we hand you uh, the cup with the bread in it. And, and as we hand you the, the cup with, with the juice, we're, we're going to say, this is, uh, this is Christ's blood shed for you. Um, I, I don't want you to take it, though, individually at that point. What we're going to do is, as I was preparing for this week, as I was thinking through um, the Lord's Supper, it, it is most appropriate that we're going to wait and, and we're, going to, uh, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper all together after, um, after you're, you're seated. So we'll do that in a minute. But one, one thing I, I want to close with, and I mentioned this um, before, that yes, uh, our gathering is not about us. It is about worshiping the Lord. Um, but our God is also so great and so loving that, that as we come to worship him so often, he just lavishes us with, with blessings. Um, I, uh, I, I don't go to a ton of birthday parties. It doesn't seem like you do that much as an adult, right? But, but I've been invited to some birthday parties of friends, particularly when they hit like a big milestone, right? When they hit that next decade, it seems like that's kind of big birthday party time. So I remember when, uh, when Lindsay and I were you know, approaching our 30s, we had other friends um, turning 30, and one in particular, uh, her husband threw a party for her at a restaurant. We had our own room, and, and it was it was great. It was it was so fun, and, and she had a little gift for us. Um, back then, uh, when you liked a song, you could burn it on a CD. Some of you have probably never even heard of that, but she burned CDs for all of us, and it was uh, it was a song for every year of her life. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a fun little gift. And then I went to an, another one uh, for a coworker. I can't remember. I think she turned fifty, and invited us this like really nice restaurant, much smaller group of people, but. Man, it was, it was crazy, like her birthday, and, and I'm getting to eat this great food. Um, but, but one birthday sticks out to me. We had a friend, um, for her 40th, she invited us over and another couple. And, and what she wanted to do for her, her 40th birthday was to cook this amazing meal for us <laughs> to enjoy with her. And, and it was great. I mean, it was as good as, as any nice meal I've purchased at a nice restaurant. I mean, it was multiple courses. It was, it was great. And I came, we came with this little gift. It was pretty humble. Um, man, I didn't understand how extravagant this meal was going to be. And this analogy isn't perfect. But, but it reminded me of, uh, of we come to worship the Lord. And man, he blesses us. 
Right? He, he gives us everything that we need. And, and sometimes, sometimes it is just daily bread he gives us. But so often I find that God just lavishly blesses us. And, and I come to something like the Lord's Supper. And, you know, the, the, we're, we're coming to, to worship the Lord. And yet, man, how much does he, does he bless us as we get to take this meal with him?